All right, this is Byron Horton of the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Wanted to thank everyone for tuning in today. And I really appreciate anyone who's who's pushed the like button on social media for us, looked at our films and, and videos on YouTube, and I appreciate you tuning into this podcast here today. And I think I, I got a pretty cool idea concept uh, for today's listen. And it's the, the whole thought on small details kill deer or kill big deer. And that's something that I, I feel is, is important and, and definitely adds up. And I think it'd be a cool also uh, participant post, if you will, when we release this podcast, if you guys could go to the post and just comment, like obviously I'm going to forget something or maybe you have a tip, tactic, something you really like that's that's definitely worth mentioning that, hey, I do this, it's a small detail, but I feel it's successful. I'm always trying to learn those little uh, tips, tactics that, that put the odds in my favor. And, and so I think that'd be a cool um, follow-up to this podcast. So let's get let's get let's dive in. Small details kill big deer. It's it's definitely something that I've noticed from the guys doing it at a high level is most of those guys are detail oriented. They're not lazy and they put the effort into these details. And it's not necessarily that one certain small detail, you know, gets it done, even though it might. But it's also that cumulative effect that you do these small things right. At the end of the day, those add up to a bigger uh, piece of the pie, or, or you know, those those things add up just like a puzzle piece. All these little pieces fall into place, and boom, you're able to have an encounter and make it happen. And uh, I went through and listed some of these little things that I feel like I do, or stuff that can can be applied to whatever you you're, you've got going on out there um, in the deer woods or, or whatever and I just kind of labeled them um, as kind of time of year and again I feel like bow hunting is a game of yards and and, and a game of inches in, in some aspects and so these little details actually you know are, are important and guys that are constantly getting these little details right are the ones being successful. And then you, we all know guys out there that um, either can create an encounter or they're always seeing deer at 45 yards or they're always having this issue at the moment of truth. And, you know, some of those things can be avoided. Um, if you look at some of our experiences, like little errors caused us to, to miss an encounter and miss an opportunity. I know I've missed bucks. Oh, because I wore the wrong gloves one day, and I was I was shooting a gun with a bulky trigger finger. Um, I know Dave was was ten minutes late, and one thirty caught him setting up his camera arm at daylight. And if he'd have been ten minutes earlier, maybe he is, is successful there. So these little details definitely help. Uh, so let's go ahead and and look at the the calendar, the whitetail calendar year, and I'll just mention these and speak on these, and we'll, we'll just go from there. So right now it is. Um, mid to late March, so scouting. And something that I do right now is when I go scouting, I am there at sunrise. I am I'm not sleeping in on my Saturday Sundays. I am getting up at, at five-ish, getting out the door, driving an hour, hour and a half. And, and so I'm driving these roads um, as the deer are, are moving back to bed, if you will. And so I'm able to one spot deer. 
I'm able to figure out, you know, maybe this is an area they use a little more in late season because of X, Y, and Z. And that could help me in, in, in future hunts. That can also help me to uh, potentially find some sheds. If I notice time and time again that these deer are in this area uh, late in the year or this time frame, there's a good chance that even if it's a doe group, that there is something in this area holding deer currently. I was in the big woods oh, about a month ago and noticed two times in a row these deer are crossing the road right here at, at, at sunrise. And there's clearly something going on there. I think that there's a favorable food source in big woods. It's not near as obvious as it is in farm country. And so that would be something I could use in my playbook. Uh, I, I looked at that area for sheds. I'll do that again. Uh, in future seasons and if I still had a tag come come January it might be a, an area to key in on uh, this also by being early by going early just for your scouting days it uh, it allows you to maximize time away from your family and, and that's that's huge if you start walking right at the crack of daylight you can put in some serious miles and be back by say one two o'clock in the afternoon and not miss your whole Saturday or Sunday uh, away from the family and that keeps it keeps the wife happy, keeps the family happy. That's that's an aspect to deer hunting. Um, it also, if you have the full day clear or or whatever, it's it's allowing you to maximize uh, your miles as far as walking. You know, you're walking right as daylight's you know cracking or, or been up for 10, 15 minutes, so you're maximizing your time. Um, let's see here. Oh. Uh, as far as scouting is concerned, if, if you're there early in the day and you can tell what little areas, benches, uh, points are getting sun, sunlight first thing. And that could be where a deer likes to lay down, you know, because because you're there when that sun's cracking, you know, you can see, okay, a deer might want to lay on this particular bench because it's getting a lot of sun at this hour. And yes, we know to walk uh eastern and southern facing slopes but those little points that don't exactly pick up on topos um, you can see just you know maybe there's a, a couple trees down in a certain area and so it gets a little more sunlight it's 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 liable to hold a deer uh, on its first bed if you will uh, let's move into to summer and and little details that can be looked at there uh, something i see is is looking at the weather it seems, you know, second nature to do this during season, like you're always staring at your your weather app. But in the summer, it, it it's kind of nice because you can pick the, the better weather days to, to go glassing. I know guys use it all the time for pulling trail cameras in and around rainstorms, but I also look at it as ability to glass. And, you know, or if I'm, I'm really struggling to get get my bow out and shoot it, I can kind of see the better weather days of the week coming and set set my life up for it. You know, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, I spend a little more time uh, with the family, knowing that Friday it, it's going to be cooler and I can I kind of have put my time in, if you will, and can go glass that night. Um, looking. You know, as far as your summer, can you do glass and trail camera work on the same day? By going either morning or evening, you can kind of use your time away and do both. Maybe you pull a couple cards or something at, at you know two hours before sundown. You're done an hour, that final hour. You can you can go glass or drive around or, or you know essentially get two two missions done with one, one trip away. 
Uh, I've got a note here. Can you find uh, babysitting, or you know, can you can you help your wife a little more on the, those those better weather days when you know you're going to be gone? Um, I've got a note here on labeling your trail camera SD cards is, is another small thing that can help in the summer. You know, I've heard multiple people talk about you put in uh, a, a, an SD card that you've been running a certain trail camera and then switch it to another. That's not exactly the best practice. And so that's just a little step. You know, you can throw the name of the manufacturer on that, that SD card right there in the labeling um, spot. I have on here triple checking the angle of your trail cameras. Obviously, we run a lot of our trail cameras on elevated, you know, setups. We we they still get stolen for whatever reason. It's ridiculous this year, but you're you get a lot more errors and issues once you elevate that tra trail camera as far as triggering um, accurately. You know, you just it seems like you get more limbs that come in the way. Maybe you overshoot your trail, um, or it's buried in the ground. You just you really have to take your time and, and taking the extra time to go up and down the stick and angle that, that trail camera correctly uh, is, is, is worth the extra effort. And obviously, anytime you can get two guys together, that process is a little easier. Um, let's see here. Oh, the day before you set out trail cameras. Do you check them at your house to just verify they're working, they're firing correctly, they're coding to the SD cards, that's a, a, a solid, you know, that could be a 15, 20 minute job, you know, to, to do that for a few cameras. But that way you're not in the field. You haven't spent the gas to get there the time away. You know, you can do some of that troubleshooting. And if you had six cameras and only four are working, you've saved some time and headache um, the day before. Um, note here, as far as do you have an extra set of batteries in your truck in the summer? And maybe a few of those like four, eight gig SD cards that are cheap, you can buy them in, in bulk from say like Amazon or wherever and throw in a few of those in your, your truck console, never a bad idea. I buy a lot of my batteries from um, Costco uh, for my summer trail cameras. I don't run lithiums, so they're just ridiculously expensive. And so I'll uh, take a, a like a sandwich bag and put, you know, eight batteries in it and just leave it at my truck and that saved me a few times. Uh, I know Dave and I have went to set out trail cameras and we've had battery issues or SD cards and had to run to Walmart and that's just a headache. Uh, and so by doing a couple of these preventative steps, you're, you're setting yourself up, you know, to at least be able to troubleshoot at the truck versus driving somewhere and having to waste your time. Um, and typically, you know, you're wasting, uh, a little bit of money too, because when you buy those batteries and SD cards in bulk, you get it at a better per unit price. Some other notes here I have on like summer is leaving binos in the truck. Uh, that can that can be a nice uh, addition if you live or, or drive the areas that you do hunt. Um, being able to pull, even a, I know Cody DeQuisto has like a cheaper hundred dollar pair of binos in his truck, and and that's just because he's been caught without them before, and, and so it's kind of nice to have just a cheapo pair just to be able to pull up and glass something. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've used binos from a truck, even verifying there's no sheds laying in private fields that I can't even walk, but I see a piece of white out there and uh, I want those binos. Um, something we've slacked a little bit on in the summer is bow tuning and like shooting broadheads more frequently. We did a, we got our broadheads late last year. And so that's, that's an area of improvement. 
for us and me in particular is just shooting those broadheads all summer, making sure that the 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 couple weeks leading up to season, everything is dialed, everything is ready to roll. I have a note here on messing with your gear, your pack system. For me, it feels like every year I uh, change packs or I start the season with with this pack, and ah, I don't like it. Let me let me go back to this other one. I've got about four or five, and none are super high dollars. I do have a nicer Kuyu, but it's just like with filming, you kind of you like your bag a certain way. When, when you're mobile hunting, you're filming, you like your bag a certain way. And I think it's important to, to mess with that um, in the off season a little more frequently, especially that final month there of August or September, depending when your opener is. I have a note here of messing with your climbing system. Not necessarily full-blown four sticks high practicing in the backyard, but for example, when the Lone Wolf Custom Gear system came out, uh, that was a, a bit of a change from the norm. You know, uh, I ended up transporting my gear with straps off it in a small moly pouch on my hip. And so that was a change. So I did a lot of little like two sticks high and I wasn't spacing those sticks out, but I was still going through the motions like I would be um, for a hunt and hang scenario. And that just kind of streamlined some of that before opening day. And Everyone knows uh, when you're hunting, you get in this rhythm uh, with your your pack, your your climbing system, your tree stand, and it's so smooth. Uh, a couple weeks into season, or when you start hunting a decent amount, but that that opening day, there's always those hiccups. Uh, whether it be you, you forget a jacket, you I don't know. I've I've climbed up a tree and forgot my my external layer on the ground. Um, so we all have those hiccups, and by, by messing with your gear, at least before you're, I don't know, getting a little more dialed in, you're quickening that learning curve. Uh, during season, I have communication with wife slash family. I feel like it's important to set the stage with them, knowing, hey, I'm not going to hunt October 5th when it's warm, but if we get a cold front the 13th, I, I kind of would like to be in the timber. And what that looks like, I, I don't think you can over-communicate with wife, family, girlfriend, and just, uh, that's something I've had to learn as a bow hunter, that's for sure. Obviously, weather, looking at weather every day, looking at that 10-day forecast, um, that's something where if you if you have the ability to see, okay, next Thursday, potential cold front, maybe you drop something in the boss's ear, like, hey, I'm thinking about taking some time off next Thursday. Do we have something that, that would prohibit that? Uh, whether it be finishing a project, some special work that needs done, but hopefully like, you know, the, the quicker you can kind of see that coming, you can start making plans and small adjustments to, to be able to get out. And, and obviously those, those, those key times are, are when you're going to be successful. And, you know, that weather, um, tends to be a little better. I, the trail cam data just shows it. my encounters just show it that you get that cold snap and you know that's a night you can kill a big one that he gets on his feet a touch earlier i have here messing with pack and clothes during the week even if you don't hunt with our systems and like what how we hunt i'm not super worried about scent control so that goes out the window but being being able to throw the bin the the bag and the climbing system in a truck with a bow and be out the door and say 10 minutes versus say 35 because your shit's everywhere in the garage. Maybe it's it's being washed. Like doing that prep work on a night you're not hunting is, is super helpful. Uh, just in case, 
I don't know, the, the, the power goes out and they send you home early from work. Now you can get a hunt in because you've prepped your, your crap, uh, you know, on an off day, if you will. And I know buddies that, you know, don't mess with their gear enough. And come Saturday morning, they're scrambling. Uh, that's a side note here is prep your stuff the night before, the day before. Don't leave it to the morning of because it always takes, you know, longer than uh, than you anticipate. And when, you know, you, you leave that for the morning of, let's say it takes you 10, 20 more minutes. Now you're 10 to 20 minutes behind schedule. Now you're 10, 20 minutes. And let's be real, daylight, daylight waits for no one. Um, what else do I got here? Oh, a little detail you can do during season is driving, maybe not the fastest route home, but driving around the piece or taking a route that uh, takes you by more of your hunting areas. Because if even in the dark, if you uh, catch a, a glimpse of a shooter moving in or, or around an area, that's a lead right there. Um, and it's something that, that takes you five to ten minutes extra. Now, if the, the wife is and kids are screaming for you to come home, by all means, uh, cut your losses and get out of there. But that's just a little extra step that could lead to, to a successful day um, in the field. Oh, I have notes here. Pack your lunch. Uh, that's just, you know, it saves you time, saves you money. You're not wasting gas going places. Let's see here. Oh, this is a good quick note is, is is filling your gas tank on your off days. When you stop to get gas, if you're headed to your farm in the morning or the pet place you're hunting, that's like 10, 15 minutes by the time you pull off the, the better roads, you, you stop and get gas. It's just a, a total momentum stopper. And, and that 10 minutes could mean you're in your tree and silent and that buck comes in, oh, and he beds 60 to 100 yards from you but then works his way mid-morning and you're able to catch him but if you 10 minutes late he hears you getting in there i, I really think you know you can never be uh, you, you really when you've got the green light go ahead and get there early uh, because we don't do this for a living we've got limited time we've got families that's being early is key i have notes here at least for me personally, having my camera batteries charged, uh, I always keep a backup battery and an S backup SD card in my camera bag because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the tree or, or set up to hunt and boom, my SD card is in my computer. I was pulling photos. So that's just like something if you're filming, always always have backup battery and SD cards. You can't, that, that's key because you're going to mess that one up. Uh, other than that, uh, I've got notes here, shooting a few arrows during season. Uh, clearly you can catch an issue with your bow, maybe your sight gets bumped, but just by shooting one to two arrows during the week when you've got time that, uh, that you can discover that error and hopefully get it back and dialed and, and be able to have a successful harvest if, if the opportunity presents itself. I listened to Brian Broderick talk recently on a podcast and he had issues with his drop away rest on an elk trip and he was able to slap a whisker biscuit on his bow and he's always been a fan and literally dial it in with the the truck headlights at least getting his bow shooting accurately out to 20 to 40 yards and tuned you know uh good enough essentially it probably wasn't perfect but you know that's something i definitely think is, is something i would consider is do you have a whisker biscuit at home because let's say it's November 5th you just saw a shooter you get back to the truck and you're 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 shooting arrows and you're 
your freaking bow's out of tune because your drop away is, is not working properly, do you, do you have the ability to throw a whisker biscuit on there and get your bow back up and running quickly? I definitely think it's something I, I, I may consider as far as having one, at least at the home, um, where I could drive and, and get that thing up and didn't have to rely on a bow shop that might be closed on a Monday or whatever. I think that's going to do it as far as small details, killing big deer. Again, I think this would be really cool for guys to go to the Facebook post or the, the Instagram post, drop a comment in on you know a quick little tip tactic, little detail that they feel uh, makes them successful. All right, Team Harder and Bucks, we're out.